everyone. We're back. Welcome to the show. It's the Mark and Mark podcast. I'm sports editor Mark Podolsky. I love pop culture. And you are who? I'm entertainment editor Mark Mazuris, and I love sports, but I do not do a good job of following the Cleveland Indians. Disappointing. I know. Disappointing. Well, first of all, I wanted to wish everybody happy 4th of July. want everybody to have a safe 4th of July as well. Absolutely. And Goes on the fireworks and beer conversation, right. you know. We are, at, we are actually recording this on July 3rd, so it actually is pre-July 4th. But when this is posted, it'll be built post-July 4th. So you do hope that everybody had a fun 4th, a safe 4th. I, I hope that. Let me just bring up a quick pet peeve. Everyone over the weekend who wished me a, like, a nice long holiday weekend. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm going back in Monday. This is no holiday weekend. What? I know. Crazy. But you know the thing is? And I'm really excited about this episode we're, we're recording today because this is like the heart of, you know, this is like the heart of the summer. And, you know, I'm always pumped because we all, we're always in, we're always talking late April, early May about the summer's movie season. And that's what we're going to talk about a lot today. And, you know, I got to admit, it did not get off to a flying start, in my opinion. I, you know, I, I guess Guardians, was that part of the summer? Yeah, it's the first summer movie. Okay, so I like I love Guardians, I love Wonder Woman, but there was a lot of other garbage but, in between. And I, I liked both of those movies a little less than you did. I liked yeah. them, I gave them two and a half star reviews, right. but I don't think either was, I don't think there was a sensational movie until Baby Driver, which opened last Friday. Okay. So I, I agree with you on your grander point that this right. summer's been a little down. Right, so in terms of, you know, Baby Driver... I'm sure it's. I've not seen it. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's fine. It's not what you would call a blockbuster. No, but it's just a. But it is fun, and you know, it's not a serious movie. It's uh, you know, there are chase scenes and a lot of you know stylish gunplay. There's a lot of stuff you want to see right. in a summer movie. But no, it's more of your smaller indie type. And movie. I think you know we have talked about this in the past. You know, unfortunately, I saw Baywatch. Unfortunately, I saw The Mummy. You know, just two movies that just just were, you know. Well, I tried to talk you out of Baywatch. Very, very, I don't even want to say like bad. I mean, less than bad. So I, I, I was just, just my personal opinion. You liked The Mummy more than I did. I thought it was okay. Actually, I, we can't even say you liked it more than I did because I didn't even approach liking this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised how much you hate it. You know, and I wanted to like it because I love that monster verse. I love creating that new, I'm a huge fan of the old universal films from the black and white era in the 30s and 40s and 50s. And I was, you know, and look, it still might be, has it still has a chance to maybe rebound, but anyway, we're gonna leave the mummy buried, hopefully, and go from there. But what I want to talk about is two films that we have seen already, and you know, look, every this is all subjective, but I'm just I would be surprised to find a, lo- a lot of people that will not like these two movies we're gonna talk about. I agree, you and I are in agreement, which is nice, somewhat, right. somewhat rare, right? To be in this strong of agreement, and we're gonna talk about. Spider-Man Homecoming, which opens this weekend, July 7th, and then which opens the following weekend, July 14th, The War for the Planet of the Apes, which we both saw now going on two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, like two weeks ago, and I haven't written one word about it. And I'll tell you what, it's interesting. When they screen a movie almost a month before it's released, I think they know they've got a hit on their hands. It, it's not that simple because sometimes it's scheduling, but in this case, it does feel that way. I think they want – because – the reason I say it feels that way is usually when they screen something that early, there's more of an embargo for when you can put the review right. out. It was like two days after the screening, you could run your review if you wanted to. And like I said, I haven't started writing mine, but um, that means they're confident in their movie and they want those reviews to start hitting out. Well, did you out notice the when that embargo left it? They were like, boom, they were all over. I yeah, think people were just excited to talk about Other people film. have more time than I do. Yeah, right. 
So let's talk about first Super uh, Superman, Spider-Man Homecoming, which obviously comes out this weekend. And it's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It has this kind of interesting relationship with Sony, which owns the film rights, and Marvel. They kind of joined forces. And now I want to ask you about this, because I remember when this movie was coming into focus and it was in pre-production, even during the filming, I, I, there was a little bit of squabbles between the two companies. I think Sony wanted to go more to traditional superhero formulatic route, which this movie sort of takes anyway. And I think Marvel wanted to kind of bring it back to that John Hughes 1980s teenager film, coming-of-age film. Mm -hmm. And I, it sounds like, from what I've read online, they've kind of found a happy ground in the middle. Did you, did you feel that way? I, I mean, I didn't know about all that history. I mean, I, I, I didn't know about the two uh, companies allegedly squabbling, but um, that's how the movie plays to me. I, you know, my review went up today, and one point I made is I feel like it, it's a great blend of old and new. It's got right. the kind of awkward but likable uh, teen Peter Parker but then he's got this high-tech suit, the likes of which we've never seen a Spider-Man with this kind of like oh, almost Iron Man light it's suit. It's incredible. And it's incredible, and I thought it was just a, I thought it was a great way to give us what we like about the old Spider-Man, yeah. and then a newer thing, you know, yeah. something they haven't done yet on the big screen. So many, I, I can't even like. There's so many um, tricks and trinkets inside this suit that you could almost make like a prequel. And I think it would be well received of the how Tony Stark made this suit and how if there was ever a, a montage of how he got him to train with it. And yeah, maybe a short film. Oh, I, believe me, I, I would love this. But, you know, there's so many little things in it. I think the big thing is you're going to get the purists like I who love the old uh, Stan Lee comic books growing up from the 60s and 70s. And this high-tech gadgetry where I think – uh, you wonder, you know, will the old school people, dorks like me, be upset that they're kind of taking Spider-Man to this new new realm, I think. I, I kept thinking that with, with how high-tech the suit was and how many things he could do, the, the, the one, re one reason it really worked is that he doesn't know how to use it yet. He doesn't know how to use it well. He's right. kind of learning on the job. Yeah. A lot of things are fooling him. That led to comic, entertaining moments. But the other thing is, I, I just think that movie's so well-directed. If that movie wasn't well-directed or well-written... Mm. And it was kind of already rubbing you the wrong way. Then he has this total high-tech suit. It really wouldn't feel like Spider-Man. Yeah. But they knocked it out of the park with the writing and the directing of this movie. Yeah. That it just all it just felt like a singular vision. And this movie's got like six writers on it, including the director, John Watts. And it feels like a singular vision. It felt so cohesive to me. Like one person yeah. sat down and crafted this thing. There's, there's three things about this film that are so subtle, but I absolutely love. I mean, the first thing I'm going to mention is not so subtle. The... the the beginning of this movie and the end of this movie is unlike anything you'll see in any superhero movie. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, I, I think I know what you're talking about at the beginning. The end, just, I'm not talking about the absolute last oh, second we, of this film is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It, it is so, I mean, it's just the way, and you mentioned the writing. It's like, and I, and when, and, and I don't want to spoil this, but when you see this, you're going to understand. It's probably, it's probably the most realistic film or scene in the film and i could absolutely see this person reacting this way if it happened to something this would ever happen in real life it was just yeah fantastic. they had a nice bit of fun with the audience with this thing at the right. very very end stay till the very very end but then you might regret it right and then the other thing is this is so funny this is why i think this will appeal to the masses my son goes into the movie we're or 
we're driving to the movie, and he says, Dad, how, how does Spider-Man, like, how does he shoot his web and swing on his web on, when there's nothing to shoot onto? I go, oh, really? What, you've noticed that? Like, you know, sometimes yeah. when he's, he'll be, looks like he's shooting up into the sky and he's swinging. I go, that's kind of interesting. And there is a scene in the movie that hits that perfectly. I'm like, my gosh, this is, this is, this is, they're hitting every beat perfectly. Yeah. I mean, what I, and at the end of the day, I loved it. They, they didn't reinvent the wheel. They hit all the, all the superhero, you know, there's a bad guy, there's a love interest, there's, there's the, there's the figuring out how to be a hero thing. All those themes, you've done them a million times. They just did them really well, and they found new little ways to mine fresh material out right. of that formula. Well, and then, you know, this is not an origin film. so for Which people, is nice. Well, but I think this is so, and this is another thing that it was so subtle. I think it was literally three words, or maybe five words. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's one scene in the movie where uh, him and his buddy Ned... Who I forgot the actor's name, but he's wonderful. He's this like sidekick best best buddy, and this isn't a spoiler either because it's been all, it's been all over the cheese, the trailers. He he finds out his buddy Spider Man within the next first like half hour of the film, but there's literally like one scene in the movie where he says, "Yeah, I got I got bit by a spider," and that's it, and that's the that's the only origin right. you need in this film, and it's great because everybody know like. It, even the lay fan of this. I'm so glad we didn't have to go through an ele- That was the best thing about Spider-Man being in Captain America's Civil War, this Spider-Man. Because right. I'm like, okay, he's already Spider-Man. We don't need to retell the whole thing right. again. I agree. That's another great thing this movie did. Um, that scene, which again, you said has been in the trailer, where uh, Spider-Man comes in through the window and right. he's crawling on the ceiling. He doesn't know his friend is sitting there right, right next to the window. It's just one of a million scenes they just did perfectly. I know. I just I thought it played really well. And then, well, you know, we can't we got to talk about Michael Keaton. You know, he's it's it's interesting because you know Tom Holland plays Spider Man. He's a sophomore in high school, so he's sixteen years old, and he's going against his villain Michael Keaton, who's you know what in the film he looks like he's early sixties, mid fifties. I don't know. Yeah, probably like mid fifties or something. Yeah. But it works. I, if somehow it just works. You would think it would not work, but it works perfectly. No, and there's this, you know, we won't say what happens in this late scene that shows up. It's not like, you know, Keaton playing a villain. It's not like he gets to really flex his acting chops like he does in Spotlight or in right. Birdman. But I thought in that one scene late in the movie in the car, yeah, I thought he was really excellent. Right. And that's why you get a Michael Keaton, even for just that one scene. Yeah, I mean, he, he hits, IT hits, I mean, everything, everybody, every note is perfect. And we haven't even talked about uh, Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man in this film. He's, it's a it's a major role in this film. It's a, it's a it's it's a it's a big time thread that carries the narrative and the whole storyline and the plot to the end, which is really cool. I mean, there are a lot of cool takes in this movie. I think it's hilarious the Marissa Tomei narrative. It's like it, these little subtle references, like everybody's kind of hitting on Aunt May, and you know, you know, they they took that little scene in Civil War where Robert Downey Jr. comes and visits him in his apartment in Brooklyn. He's like, oh, hey, yeah, May, and 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 like smart people do. They see it. They saw the reaction of the, of the fans. I mean, Marissa Tomei, very beautiful woman. Yep. They've they've taken that role and turned it modern and. And and it's kind of just flipped it. They kind of just flipped it, and they kind of turned it into a little life of, of its own. And that this movie is close to being perfect for a superhero. I agree because I so rarely feel like I. I feel like it was paced perfectly. It just moves along, but I didn't think yeah. it rushed anything. I thought right. it, I thought it established everything it needed to. You know the the feeling I had watching it, and it all ties back to Marvel and and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
it reminded me of how I felt that first time watching Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, maybe that movie's a little funnier at the end of the day, but this movie's got... It's just got everything. It's got the humor. It's got the the, the action. Yeah. It's just entertaining from beginning to end. Well, Bravo. I was so impressed. What's most important, what it's got that the Guardians doesn't have is one of the most iconic right. superheroes of all time. You know, if you're like me, they they rebooted the Spider-Man uh, mythology once on the big screen. You know, they, they did three movies and then they cut bait and we're starting over. I'm like, really? All right. And I didn't love Spider-Man 3 at all. But I'm like, all right. So then... I think you and I both kind of like the Andrew Garfield ones, and then they after two movies. They're horrible. Yeah, I think you and I like Spider Amazing Spider-Man two more than anyone else on the planet because that movie right. wasn't really widely well received. But then they cut bait again. I'm like, really? But then now that I see, you know, now Sony partnering with Marvel, getting that Marvel touch, getting the ability for an Iron Man to be in this movie. Right. Now that I've seen it, brilliant decision. Yeah, I was a little worried about would too much Iron Man take away from the the central focus of the character. I mean. They do it. They do it really well. Yeah, I agree. It's just, I love this movie. Biggest thing now is box office. You know how I love talking box office. I do. You know, obviously, Force Awakens made two thirty. Jurassic World two summers. Was it two already two summers ago? I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. That made two oh nine or two oh six something like that, and then Avengers made two oh three. Do you have, do you think this movie can hit two hundred? I would say no, just because again, this is I know the sixth Spider-Man movie, and it doesn't. I don't think. But the word could, of mouth is going to be really strong. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, it's it's the tail end of a holiday weekend. I think it'll have a good long run. Like I think it, I can see this movie building momentum as it goes on because of that word of mouth and people saying like you got to see this. But wait a second, I, before going any further, is, is this week is next weekend the holiday weekend or is the previous weekend the holiday weekend? What? The holiday weekend. Just Fourth of July is on a Tuesday. Oh. Was the previous weekend or is it this week? I've heard. I saw it. I saw somebody. I saw some headline like Spider Man Homecoming poised to own the holiday weekend. I thought, wait, is this opening on like Tuesday or something? Because yeah. I wouldn't have thought of this coming right. weekend as the holiday weekend. But yeah, I, don't I know. guess it is. So give, I'm sorry. I'm right. surprised they didn't get it out for July Fourth. I know. But, right. You know. You, so I, I think this. You know, I remember the tracking numbers for Jurassic World, and people were like, "Well, you know, it's talking one." 60 170 and that thing just blew up out of kind of nowhere and we saw what wonder woman did that thing tracked about 40 million above what it was looking at i mean i think the conservative number is about 160 right now i wouldn't i think it's gonna i think it's got a good shot to hit 200 i'm gonna say about 190 that feels about right i'll be interested to see as we get closer to friday and more and more reviews come out i'd be interested to see its rotten tomatoes score because I feel like this is going to be a movie in the 90s because I just don't see anyone. Oh, yeah. Maybe you don't like it as much as we do, but I can't imagine going like, what a piece of garbage. Like, right. It's just, it's really fun. It's no, really fun. Absolutely. So let's move on. We're going to talk about War of the Planet of the Apes. This is the third part of a trilogy. And if you have not seen the first two and you want to see this film, I would strongly suggest you see the first two. Yeah, but it's not like you wouldn't be able to follow it. I mean, it's a pretty I think you'll enjoy it a lot more. Story. Don't you? I do. Well, I, I like the previous two films. So just for that reason, I would say. Right. But it's not like you'd be lost, I think. if You you could pretty quickly, easily figure out that okay, right. there are these intelligent apes and Caesar's right. the leader. And right. Blah, blah, blah. Um, what did you like about Spot this film? I thought, you know, it always comes back to me direction. But I guess what first jumped out at me is, you know, this is the third of these movies as you've seen. And I think the other two with the animation and the motion capture of the apes look really good. I thought it this is a, incredible. I thought it took another step forward with this. I thought Caesar especially, but all the apes, 
just looked phenomenal. I don't know that I've ever thought any digital creation has looked as good or as believable as these characters mm-hmm. did in this movie. I was so impressed. And maybe I go back and watch the second, uh, what was it, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and maybe it looks just as good. But I bet in those couple of years they've had that they fine-tuned a little bit. I think this is the better. best it's ever looked. Looks incredible. It looks it looks like apes. It's in, but it's, it's just absolutely it's incredible. another it's just another well made movie where they you know it does it's certainly not the fun tone of a Spider Man. It's it's more serious, but it's compelling and the characters are rich and you're really invested in Caesar and uh, just well shot, well made. I, I found it just uh, you know I like about it. It's such a tight story. It's really simple. The, the goals of each party are very simple, and obviously it's. In the title, War, there is a very big conflict going on. Between At the same time, there are some little plot elements that are dropped in early that you don't quite know what's going on. Right. And then more is revealed you get over more, time. Yeah, you get a, and, you, well, get a cool, was, you could do get a, get a cool reveal about uh, yeah. at the end of the second act which is very interesting yeah so you know i didn't walk out with that same uh oh my god that's the most fun i've had at the movies like i did at spider-man mm. but it's a really satisfying watch that you know matt reeves who did the second planet of the apes movie uh and is going on as we've talked about off the air a million times the going to do the batman i he's a re- he's become a really right. fine director I, I i just thought all of his touches throughout the movie you could just you could just feel a director who knows what he's doing was in charge of that movie, and it paid off. Right, and, and the thing is, I think the thing with this movie, if you're a, uh, a big time fan of the original set of films back in the '60s and '70s, is that people were wondering, are there, is there going to be a connective uh, sort of route from this trilogy to the beginning of the original film from 1968 with Charlton Heston when? The astronauts crash land on the planet, and you, you know, I always felt like, are we gonna, are we gonna, are we gonna, is that where our roadblock is gonna be? Is that where it's gonna end? And and it it doesn't come anywhere near that. But I still think if you're a big time fan of the apes, and I think if you're just a fan of storytelling, you're gonna be very satisfied with the ending of this film. And I think it's the kind of ending where you don't want to have you don't want to have unreasonable expectations. I don't think. Because maybe I was distracted thinking, like, are they going to do something like you're talking about? Are they going to try to really turn things on its tables at the end? And it was really more about finishing a compelling story yeah. and a journey. Well, it was definitely – you're getting us – I mean, this is like a clear story arc of Caesar, you know, from when he's, you know, a child until he's a full-grown full adult leading a bunch of um, – basically a civilization. It's, it's really cool. Right, but there's also like a pilgrimage aspect to it. You know, we've seen a lot right. of movies over time. With, there's always sort of a biblical reference of you know leading your people to safety and through tough right. times, and it just really those. And if those ape characters aren't compelling, it doesn't work. But they are. I tell you, who was phenomenal in this film? Woody Harrelson is this this role he plays as this, I guess some sort of general. I don't know, colonel. Colonel. I kept calling him the colonel. Yeah. Okay, colonel. He he knocks it out of the but this is one of, this is one of his best roles in a long time. I I mean I agree. Um, I did wonder. My guess is he wasn't the first person they went to, and I wonder who else might have been in line for this. Worked for me. It, no, it totally worked for me. Um, it reminded me of. Uh, there's just a, he's just he's kind of on the he's a capable leader, but you sort of get the vibe, and part of it's his look that he's sort of on the edge of crazy. Oh, absolutely! And so I just kept getting this uh, flashback to Apocalypse Now and, and Colonel Kurtz, even though yeah. that character's I think a lot. There's a nod. Around. There's even a nod to the movie Apocalypse Now in the film. Did you, you probably didn't see it? Did I'm you? I'm not sure. Yeah, if you watch closely, you'll okay. see it. Okay. 
It's very cool. That doesn't surprise me because it had a little bit of that. This movie borrowed from a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Right. The old apes movies, probably Apocalypse right. Now. Right. You know, I think. Um, but just really, really effective. I mean, that there, that that narrative is throughout the entire original. That that paranoia of the humans, like of the apes taking over one day. You feel that, like that. He could feel that in his blood the way he carries himself, and. The tension, that's what, that's what builds up throughout the whole film that I really appreciate it. And, you know, just like we talked about with, with uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, just a smart script, smart screenplay, smart yeah. writing, smart dialogue. It's just, it's, it's you know, I'm just, if you've heard a moviegoer in July, this, this is your month. Because I think you're going to be satisfied. I was trying to decide, you know, it, it was different in structure from the first two in that there wasn't sort of a human hero to go along with it. I mean, there's a... We don't have too much in the plot. There's a child, but right. I thought maybe it missed like that James Franco or I don't I think it needed it. At the end of the day, that's where I say it didn't need it. No. Um, I wouldn't have minded if it was there, but again, they've done that twice, so this is something different. Right. Um, just totally, just totally satisfying. At the end of the day, I wonder if they're going to go anywhere. Someone else is going to pick up the slate on this because this, this this might do pretty well at the box office. Well. well. So this is one to watch. They say this is the final adventure, yeah. and they it's the kind of ending where... They do wrap it up pretty nice. They wrap it up pretty good, but if you wanted to, you could oh, make absolutely. another one. Oh, absolutely. So I think it's the last one until they really crunch the numbers, and then, um, you know... Right. We'll see how this does. I mean, this, this but as it as it stands now, I think it's a really satisfying trilogy. I mean, this kind of makes me want to rewatch the previous two because I only saw them each once, you right? Know, at the theaters. And you know, it's you know th these films aren't really the typical blockbuster, quote unquote. I mean, they they've done decent, but they haven't done like Marvel numbers. And we'll see if it, this, you know, it's it's going to be tough competition because you're talking this is going to be coming out in the second week of Spider Man Homecoming. If this Spider Man Homecoming Homecoming does close to two hundred million. You know, you, they always say 50, 60% drop-off. That's still $100 million. You know, they got to recoup that. That's going to be a tough competition yeah. for war. But one, one quick thought I had watching War of the Planet of the Apes. You know, Andy Serkis is kind of the go-to guy in motion capture performance. Right. He played Gollum in the Lord of the Rings movies and uh, in one or two of the Hobbit prequels. And um, I was watching him as Caesar and just thinking, this character is so fully realized. And this is not a fair apples-to-apples comparison because the character I'm going to bring up is barely in in the movie, but like, what a better, better character and sort of better performance than Snoke in The Force Awakens, you know? Like, yeah. now maybe maybe Snoke will be involved a lot more, but I just thought he just doesn't feel real, and part of that's by design. He's sort of projected, but um, I just want to fully between Andy Circus and the animators and the the tech people, everyone who is responsible for bringing Caesar to life. I think again, Bravo. Hey, you know, I hope I hope he did, I hope he gets serious consideration for. It. Academy Award nomination. I really, I mean, I mean, I'm being dead serious. I think he was fantastic. I, you know, I, I will go along with that as much as to say uh, until I see who else might be deserving. Right. I mean, I still wouldn't put it up, and it's just the luck of the draw. There's nothing he could do, but I still wouldn't put it up. I wouldn't give it to him over a fantastic non-motion capture right. performance. But, but, but I, I can agree with you that if he got one, I wouldn't say on principle like no way, like really good. Right. I mean, it's. I think momentum is building so much, and we'll see. It, it could be interesting. You know, look, these kind of genre films have a hard time breaking through, especially the superhero films with The Dark Knight back in, I think, 2008. So it's we'll funny see. how many people, too, I've been like, well, have you seen the previous ones? And like, nah, I saw the Tim Burton one. I'm like, nah, no, 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 You got to you forget about that one. <laughs> Clean your palate with the with the rise and the, the dawn. You'll, you'll be going well. You'll be doing well there. Uh, let's get on to two other films that came out real quickly. Despicable Me 3, which came out last week, and Baby Driver, which came out 
It comes up this week? No, no. They both came out last Friday. Oh, I mean, sorry. Baby Driver came out last Wednesday. It's you're confusing. a big fan of Baby Driver. I thought Baby Driver. If you've seen the trailers and if you like the trailer, this is one of those movies that like, yep, that's the trailer in the big screen. I just thought it was everything I hoped it would be. It's it's one of these movies with, you know, it's got such a backbone of music. You know, the soundtrack or the playlist on streaming music's great. Um, the direction by Edgar Wright, who I'm not the world's biggest Edgar Wright fan. Like, I... I like Shaun of the Dead, but the other two movies in that trilogy, I'm like, I, I don't know. I probably need to see a more. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World has its huge fans. I'm like, it was okay. I absolutely adored this movie. I thought it was just so is, fun and so well done. What would you compare? Is it like a comparable to like a Fast and the Furious? Or? No, it's more like a... Uh, I should have... Let me chew on that. I mean, I mean, how, would more, you, how would you describe this film on a nutshell? I mean, it's like a... It's like a criminal movie, but it's about the the getaway driver is the central uh, figure, and there's a crime boss, and there's there's other members of this stick up crew, and at the end, of, and, but it's also a romance. He meets a girl. It's ultimately about you know it's just again it's kind of a story you've seen before. A guy trying to escape his criminal past and get away with the girl, but you know the criminal past keeps reaching up to get him. But um, so it it's not that it's not that unfamiliar of a story, but it's just all the dressings, the camera works great, of the car chases, the music's great. Um, it's just really, really fun. Despicable Me 3. There's nothing wrong with Despicable Me 3, but I just sat there going, they've done this twice already. Yeah. I don't know. It just didn't cash feel like... Cash grab. I didn't think... Not, you know, it's it's well done enough where I don't think it's a cash grab. And it's it's only an hour and a half, and you could take your kids. And I, I don't have anything really hateful to say. I just thought... I don't know. I thought they'd, they'd come up with something a bit fresher somehow. I don't know what that would be, but I was underwhelmed. But hey, it's not bad. A few more things in the world of pop culture... Did you see Wonder Woman just cross 700 million worldwide? I believe you've mentioned that to me. Yes. That I mean, if, if I would have told you that before this movie came, that movie came out, what would you? I mean, it did that? It did that in less than a month. I just think it's cool that you know, there's so many women have seen this movie and really appreciated the female empowerment of it and wanted to take their young daughters. I have mm-hmm. a friend who who saw. I was like, yeah, no, it's good. I think you'll enjoy it. You know, because I'm not coming to it from that perspective. Right. And she got out. She's like, that was great. I'm bringing my little girl in a couple of days. You know. Good. So um, I like how I think if they accomplished that, that was job one, and I think you know they did. The- I like how things help change the world, like just the way we think and the way we act and the way people respond to these certain films. I mean, right. I think it's really awesome when this kind of this kind of stuff happens. And I mean, if this thing could get to a billion dollars, I mean that that would be incredible. I don't think it will, but I mean, and I still don't think it's that good. I do. I think it's excellent. <laughs> hey, I want to talk to you about you know in our house we've had eighteen to you verse for. Long time. I'm just getting sick of it. And I think I'm going to Netflix and tell me. So you're going to cut the cord? I think I'm going to cut the cord. I think I'm going to get Sling TV, get one of those Ear Bunny antenna boxes, and then get Netflix, which will probably cut our cable bill in half and probably improve the content by double. <laughs> but the, well, that tells me you're missing a lot of good stuff on cable. But go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. On whole, I think there are – now, this is, again, not apples to apples. On whole, I think there are more good shows on cable than Netflix originals. But if you don't care about – Well, you're new, talk, but you're talking about so many more extra stations. Yes, that's why I say it's not apples to apples. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was going to get Sling TV, which gives you about 20 right. of the main – which is really what I need. I don't need 130 stations. I need – I'll watch about 20. Right. You know? Um, tell, me what's, tell me what you like about Netflix. Do you like it? I, I do like it. I mean, I subscribe to it. Um so Netflix model is uh, they're putting out so much original content. You know, I they started kind of they kind of started slow. They had House of Cards and Oranges and New Black, and they got attention for that. And then more and more shows. And I would say 
they're more interested in quantity than quality because every time you pull up whatever you watch Netflix on, whether it's your iPad or your, I watch it at home at the TV on the PlayStation, but you pull it up, there's the there's like a splash screen with a new thing they have that you've never seen before. Oh, really? So it, it, you couldn't possibly watch it all. But the quality is there. I'm finishing the second season or I'm halfway through the second season of Master of None right now, which is this uh, Aziz Ansari comedy. And it's really good. And it, it it's kind of a relationship comedy and kind of goes to some uncomfortable places. And um, But at the same time, you know, they, then they signed this exclusive contract to make all these Adam Sandler movies. Like, I'm never going to watch those. I don't care about those at all. Yeah. I've heard they're terrible. Um, you won't. You won't ever lack a choice at Netflix. You just may not. It, the problem is they put all this stuff. That's not a problem. But they, whenever they have a new show, they just give you every episode at once. They start at you. And it's almost like uh, you're. By the time you realize it's not that great, like I just finished the third episode of Glow, this female wrestling comedy. I really like the first one. Yeah, I'm kind of like the second. I'm hearing one. great things about this. The third one, I'm kind of losing interest, and now I'm like, am I? You know, I'll watch what, – what happens with these shows is I get like eight in before I realize I should stop. And then I'm like, well, I'm eight in. I yeah. should just finish the season. Right. So, yeah. um, And plus, you know, you're paying for it. So you feel like, well, I need to watch something to justify right. this nine bucks a month or whatever I'm throwing at them. So. Is, is the – this sounds like a, like you go to a website. And let's say a, a very popular website. Let's throw ESPN or CNN out there. And, you know, some people might argue like it's, it's hard to find what you're looking for. Is it hard to find what – or is it hard to see what's available at your fingertips? I guess it could be, but they do try to throw um, – they try to organize things in a lot of different ways. Like they'll have – there'll be like a row of here are things you've been watching that you can pick back up on. That's really helpful. Then you can save anything you want to my list, and that's a bigger thing you scroll okay. through. And then based on your watching habits, they give you a lot of suggestions like hey, here are movies you might like. Here are TV shows. Okay. And, and then there's even like here are popular indie movies. Here are popular horror movies. Here are um, – so I don't know this, and the search is really good. So it certainly could be the case that you might never even be aware of something that's great. Like there are a million documentaries on there that are really good that I haven't watched. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, like literally a million, probably not literally a million. <laughs> I, I haven't counted. A couple them, thousand, but, maybe. Um, th- there's there's plenty of stuff. I mean, if you, I would get, I would certainly get more of my Netflix money if I wasn't also paying uh, whatever cable company I have now, uh, Spectrum, so much. Wow, money. You're, you're doing that too. Yeah. See, the whole goal is for us is just cut the cord on cable. Yeah, and go to nice. Like, go to like Sling and then have Netflix and then have your antenna for your local, your local content. Yeah, I'm still not there, especially with the, the sports stuff and the um, and wanting to see stuff right away. But it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, and there, so I wanted, I wanted to check out Glow. And season two of Stranger Things is coming out, I think, in the fall. And you did see Stranger Things? I did not yet. Oh, you'll, you'll love Stranger Things. Yeah, and then, you know, I actually bought the first season of uh, – Daredevil on Blu-ray, and right. I just loved it. And then it's now that's they, they've completed through season two, and season three is coming up, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know when, but they also have that show, The Defenders, that brings together. Right, I'm kind of interested in that too. Heroes, so yeah, that stuff's all just for the fact of the Marvel connection. You probably specifically need right. Netflix. And do you remember playing the, the the Nintendo game Castlevania when you were a kid? Uh, just a little bit. They're, they're they're debuting an animated series about that game on Friday. Yep. I'm kind of interested in that, too. I just went to a screening last week for this movie, Okja, that's an original um, movie that has Jake Gyllenhaal in it and Tilda Swinton and uh, a couple of other recognizable people. I mean, they're throwing a lot of money around for original content and getting talented people right. to make or be in these shows or movies. Yeah. Plus, the other great thing about Netflix, it's the I find it's the best source to um, 
hey, I never watched Friday Night Lights. I want to do that. And yeah. you can just easily watch the whole series. Right. Um, you know, it has its competitors. Amazon has some good stuff, and I, I don't have Hulu, but you hear it has some good stuff. Yeah. I, I think Netflix is still the. You know, uh, and this is, this is what drives me crazy about cable. Like, and I'll wrap this up real quick. I find myself being attracted to more of the retro stuff that comes out on cable, like these that Heroes and Icon Station. I don't know if you get that. Like, I've been watching like a lot of the '70s Incredible Hulk series with Bill Bixby. And like you, you love know, all this stuff that takes you back to your childhood. Well, yeah, I mean, because it was fun stuff. You know, what I mean, a lot of this stuff is all wacky. But like, even I've still. <laughs> this is almost embarrassing. I've been kind of binging on the little Baywatch series with David Hasselhoff. I mean, I don't know why I love that show, but I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this is probably all available on Netflix for half the price of what I'm paying for. Probably. And you know, and, and for like what I watch on live TV, I gotta admit it's dwindling more and more. Like I, I'm done with Flash. It just that show is just jump the shark. Supergirl, sorry, I'm done. I mean, well, plus those shows will eventually get on Netflix. So you yeah, can and the Kawaii Five O. I'm like, I'm kind of done with that. Yeah, you're picking the wrong shows. It's it's tragic. But you know, tell me what I should be watching. Then. You should be watching Game of Thrones. You should be watching. See, but I don't you know, have HBO. I'm never going to get HBO. Well, when you cut the cord, I, I, I hate could... that genre. I don't like that medieval medieval time stuff. I know you'd love it. I don't. You'd what else should I be watching? Oh, God, let me think about it. I mean, I the love Americans. Yeah, I, I was with that for a little bit. I dropped oh. it. I, I was loving Pace Motel. That's done. Right. I thought that was fantastic. I mean, look, Better Call Saul. I think it's especially on TV right now. I wouldn't go that far, but it's good. But uh, Fargo was tremendous. Uh, yes, yeah, I try. I tried to catch a on with that, and I just, I just wasn't interested. You got to stay with it. It rewards patience. It's kind of like The Wire, which I don't think you've ever watched. I have, and I couldn't stay with that. It, that guy, that was just. It was just too slow. It was just dragged. Like it was a slow burn. It slowly, meticulously puts its pieces in place, and then by the end of a season, it's so rewarding. Yeah. See, wait till you have a kid. You just don't have the time to do this (laughs) stuff, man. I I mean, I just give it to me, man. I'll just say, people with kids watch those shows. But (laughs) I know, I know. Everyone's Um, different. There's so much stuff out there. You got to pick and choose. But uh, you know. All right. Let's hit on a couple sports items. Uh, Indians five All Stars. I think this is one of the most amazing stories in baseball in a long time. Jose Ramirez starting at third base. This guy was pretty much, he was a, you know, you don't want to say, this is not disparaging, but like he was like a literally a a no-name nobody when he came up with the captains in 2012. The same year Lindor was there, and we all know the attention he was getting. And he comes on board halfway through the season. Like these guys in the Dominican, they do not get drafted. These scouts just find these players and they sign them. Okay. And he probably got signed to a couple for a couple, couple thousand, maybe ten, twenty. Who knows? I don't know right. what he got. But you know, he didn't, he didn't speak the greatest English. Um, I know that for a fact. But uh, just the rise. I mean, two years ago he was a stopgap at shortstop until Lindor was called up midway through the 2015 season. And he and it wasn't a great. You know, he didn't do fantastic. You know, he struggled at shortstop. Now just it's amazing. It is amazing because I I'm I'm you know because I as I admitted at the beginning of this show like I don't pay that much sense to the Indians but I'm like I have to start recognizing what a what an asset he is because he's just not a name I've been aware yeah. of for years like a Lindor. Like I mean a another thing that's amazing. I mean the guy did not play third base until like mid like mid like the second half of last year. He had yeah. never played third base. That's amazing. And the guy's the guy's amazing. And this guy's just like a natural. Yeah, I mean, it's just. But also joining Ramirez, or, uh, Ramirez will be uh, Lindor at shortstop, Michael Brantley in the outfield, Corey Kluber, 
Andrew Miller. I mean, you you could have argued maybe two other guys on this team, maybe with Carlos Carrasco and the way Encarnacion is really responding. So wait, I'm sorry. These are starters, or no, these are Ramirez is a starter, and then reserves. Lindor, okay. Brantley, Kluber. That means Ramirez was voted. He in? was voted in. Okay. Wow. He was down four hundred thousand votes. Wow. About a week. What was that? A week and a half. I'm surprised he's that well known around baseball to get enough votes. That's what's amazing. That's really almost really more than amazing. I, I think so. But you know, it was when between, you you said starter earlier, and I thought maybe you misspoke because it yeah, didn't make sense. He was he was a he was going against uh, Cano from the Twins. You know, Minnesota's not the biggest market either. Right. So he, I think he ended up winning by like thirty five thousand votes. So good for him. Sounds like a great guy, great story. Last, we're going to finish off. What is the All Star game? Next Tuesday. Wow. Week from today, or week from tomorrow. Um, we're going to finish off with your beloved Cavaliers, and um, we had this grand discussion last week or two weeks ago about the value of David Griffin as the general manager, and now word has come out just today: the great Chauncey Billups has turned down Dan Gilbert. He will not be the general manager. Tell me what this says about the state of the Cavs right now. I mean, I just continue to think that uh, there's more and more reason to be very concerned that this is our last year with LeBron James. You know, there these Los Angeles whispers don't go away. There was a story on ESPN.com yesterday that LeBron is not recruiting for the Cavs for these low-end free agents like he has in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying for sure he's going. That could all change. But um, I think the problem with this storyline is that I think people want an answer from LeBron, and he's not going to give him one. No, totally agree. Yeah. Uh, I just think I, I know that a lot of it is talked about. Chauncey had reservations of coming here because of family reasons. His family's in Denver; they're happy there. I think he's got a daughter going into her senior year. I get all that. I think if he thought LeBron was going to be here for three or four more years, he takes that job. Is my guess. Maybe. You know. So I just wonder where they go from here. I tell you, I tell you, a guy I'd like that I think they should look at: um, David Griffin. <laughs> Pretty solid. He's out there. I don't think the Knicks have scarfed him up. Maybe yet, they so. can get him, like, uh, cut him and bring him back at a cheaper price. I, nah, I tweeted. He's not going uh, for that, is he? I tweeted at an old. Uh, well, where where is he at now? Sorry, where's David Griffin? Did the Knicks sign him? No. Okay. I mean, well, but all those teams filled their openings before oh, his contract okay. ran out. Yeah. Um, my nightmare is that I wake up one day and new Cavs president Phil Jackson is rehiring Mike Brown wow. and instructing him to run the triangle. Wow. I'm waking up in a cold sweat going, no, no, no. Well, they, they signed Corver yesterday, and they got Jose Calderon as a backup point guard. No problem with those moves. I know you know, Calderon probably doesn't have much to offer anymore, but I've kind of always liked watching that play, at least on I like watching that guy play on offense. Is there anything left for them to do? I See, I think this, I think what their smartest thing they're doing is sitting back and they're not throwing dead money around, which can turn into dead weight. Well, there was talk of, in, talk of trying to get out of the money they owe um, Shumpert. Good. And uh, here's what you do. Here's what you do. You sit back and you wait, and maybe Carmelo Anthony just kicks a buyout and he's there for a taking. Well, I think there's a very good chance Dwayne Wade is a Cavalier at some point next year, and then I'd rather, I'd rather have I'd rather have Anthony. Well, yeah, for sure. But yeah. I'm saying, like, what they'll do is you know just like last year, the guys get, get bought both, out, and they? they just get him the minimum, and they come on board. Um, I don't know if Zach Randolph. Well, this would follow your was, narrative. Do you think? With, with with LeBron, you, you don't think he would recruit Wade or Anthony to come here? Oh, I think he would mid-season on a... On a oh, you minimum. think this would happen like mid-season? Yeah, I think they get bought, bought out during you don't the think season, this or late. Be, you don't think this would happen before the season? No. Really? Yeah, it's not, it's not when it happens. So they buy out guys, you know, kind of after the Those trade Those kind of guys, though? Superstars? <sighs> I never see superstars getting bought out in the middle of the season, do you? 
I, don't I mean, know. I know they're not technically superstars anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when's the last time a guy got bought out mid or in the off season? I don't know, but I would think it would be more likely to happen in the off season. Though. All those there's like a buyout season. There's the trade deadline, and then there's the buyout season. And like maybe they have it for time, but that's typically when it happens. Sounds like you're going to Target or something. This <laughs> is buyout season. Let's go pick up a Dwayne Wade. I got a Carmelo one. I mean, way. are you feeling how, how do you how do you feel right now if this team is going status quo next year? I I mean, I obviously they added Calderon, so it wouldn't be status quo. But I mean, there's still. I mean, we'll see if if Gayward Gayward. Uh, uh, help me out, Hayward. Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward. If he signs with Boston, he's like the last big guy out there, right? Right. So that would make Boston tougher. But with all this, you know, Paul George goes to the West. Jimmy Butler goes to the West. The East has only gotten easier. Um, so I think we're still in the same position we were last year. Uh, I think they're the. I think the Cavs are the class of the East, and they're just going to have trouble beating the Warriors. Someone has but, money. But, to, dude, someone has money to throw around to some of these players. It's, it's like, oh my gosh! If you want to. The best contract, I mean, the most hilarious contract, uh, and was signed a year ago, is the what the Knicks gave uh, Joaquin Noah. What he, he has uh, like he has like almost sixty million left, and he's like a broken down shell of himself. So um, the Cavs don't have any, have any contracts like that. So we'll see. You know. Um, so how are you feeling about uh, next batch of movies coming out? Uh, beyond what we've talked about, yeah. Uh, Anything coming out that's even worth? I haven't even thought about it. I'm finally getting over this big crush of all these screenings and reviews and stories I was doing. So, sorry, I've not looked ahead much. I know we'll be recording this. Or this will be up going up on the website after the fourth. What are you doing for the fourth? Uh, a little family cookout because it's my dad's birthday on the seventh. So we'll get together and we'll try to get some bike riding in and maybe some fireworks. We'll yeah, see. we're going to Put in Bay. I'm really looking for. Oh, I need nice. some. Re- I need some rest and re- relaxation. <laughs> but it really never amounts to that, does it? No, you're always thinking somehow, some way of, of work. Yes, you are. But this was a good, good, good conversation. If anybody wants to follow you on Twitter, where are you at? At Mark Mazoris. I am at M Poto. So we will be back in two weeks to talk about. I don't know. Maybe, will you? Will you? Will you follow the Indians for like a week and just see what you think? I'll try. You know, this week I have no screenings, which is amazing. Watch so the Indians. I'll try to watch the Indians. And next time when we get back, I will bore you with a Game of Thrones preview that you don't care there about. There you go. But that starts next Sunday. Okay. A week from. We'll talk to. Maybe yeah. we'll talk a little tribe too. So until then, thanks for listening. This has been a production of the News Herald in Willoughby, Ohio, part of 21st Century Media and Digital First Media.